Hello and welcome to the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast. I'm Matt. That's Jeff. And tonight we have the fabulous, <laughs> fabulous Eric fabulous. Collier. Wow, thanks guys. Yeah. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me over here. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm all right. You doing all right? Yeah. I, I like to start everything off with, I, I see you have a red cup on your desk. And, I do. Uh, it's, just um, curious what kind of you know bougie water you're drinking. It's the finest Canadian blended water wow, that you can get, yes. um, and it's brown. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, you know, in Canada, you're going to get that brown water, so Some cheers move. to you. <laughs> they make the best brown water up there, in my opinion. Ah, they do. They do. Yep. Okay, so we have you down here because you are the guitar repair guy. I am the guitar repair guy. I am Eric Fixes Stuff. That's what I do. I fix <laughs> guitars. That's all I know how to do, so... Um, I've been doing it a long time. Very good. And, um, you know, where do you work out of, you know? Um, I currently now, I work out of Russo Music in Asbury Park. Um, we have, when this airs, it'll be three locations now. Um, we're opening up a store in Philly. I won't be there. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to be in the Asbury store, um, which is pretty awesome because right on the shore there, that's where I've kind of gigged my whole life. That's where I've done my repairs my whole life over there. And they have all the legacy brands of guitars that everybody wants, you know, the, the Gibsons, the Fenders, the Martins, you know. And uh, so I pretty much run the repair department there. Um, I have a partner with me down there, Pat, who's great. Um, and he's coming along. He's a little bit younger in the business, but he's doing a great job. So that's kind of my base operations there for doing repairs. So if anybody needs anything or they want to get a hold of me, they can just give a call over there or come on in. Um, and that's where I'm at five days a week is over there doing repairs. I do have a shop at home as well uh, that I do certain things in. But uh, for most of your guitar repair stuff, it would be, it's better to just go there. So right, take cool, care of cool. And what got you into repairing guitars? Like, what was it? Like, did you, you know, obviously you played when you were a kid. Did it break? And you're like, I'm just going to fix this. Maybe... You know, who knows was around back then, you know, when we were... Yeah, that that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, well... As a kid, my grandfather was always a woodworker. He um, built cabinets. He built anything in the house. Between him and my dad, we never had a repair guy at the house. Like, I, I didn't even know what a plumber was when I became an adult and needed one because, you know, they just fixed everything yeah. they broke, you know, because they were real They're men. They handy people. They yeah. were real men, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so just as a kid, I was always around woodworking, chisels, anything you, that he wanted to make, you just made it. So if something broke, we just fixed it. So um, and then that just when you're a kid, that just means I'm going to take everything apart. Oh, yeah. Putting it back together wasn't always <laughs> the best. So much. <laughs> Got in a lot of trouble for that. You can't take apart a moped in your basement. Uh, well, you can. I found out you can. recommend it. But the gasoline, the fumes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, don't know. I didn't realize that gasoline fumes and a furnace are not really a good thing to mix with. Nothing yeah. happened, but yeah. except I found out from there my father, potential. I probably should never take apart a moped <laughs> in the basement again. <laughs> um, but so I started playing at 15. Uh, I had a garbage guitar, so started taking it apart, figuring it out. There was, I mean, I'm sure there were, because later on I found out there were guys who did repairs and, um, you know, they were out there. 
Um, but when something broke, I didn't know what to do with it. So I just took it back to the music store that I bought it from, and they did a terrible job fixing it. Um, so I thought, okay, well, this guitar is just garbage, I guess. So let's just sell it and get another one. And then I started taking them apart a little bit more. Like, I'm like, oh, I think I could probably do a little bit better job than that. Like, so, and then the internet really wasn't a thing because I'm 500 years old. Very true. So yeah. the internet wasn't a thing. I didn't even have an AOL disc at that point to log on. Um, <laughs> so I found, found a book, you know, uh, in the back of Guitar World magazine or Bass World magazine or Mediocre Guitar Player magazine. There was, there was like, ads in the back for like mm -hmm. Stuart McDonald which is the company who makes all the cool tools Stuart, yeah. and stuff yeah and uh, bought that book and then just started reading that over and over and over. still have it which is kind of cool I guess and I got to meet the guy who wrote it which is kind of cool and now we actually have I have his phone number and we text which is oh, really kind of that's super nerd cool you have no idea how cool Bougie. I think that is I went home to my wife I'm like I got Dan Earlywine's cell phone number. And she's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm like, it's a really big deal in my world. Uh, but he's actually super cool too. Um, and, but yeah, so I started there and then it was just trial and error for a long time. Uh, and met people along the way that were nice enough to let me hang out in their shop and learn some stuff. And um, then I got a job at a music store and apprenticed under somebody uh, there. Got a little bit older, decided I wanted to have a repair shop of my own uh, after doing guitar repair in a music store for a while. So went to school in Minnesota for band instrument repair because I figured I'll fix flutes and clarinets and things like that and guitars, just enough to keep the doors open. Did that for a while, had my own shop for years and then took other jobs along the way. Um, guitar Center wanted regional guys to that knew what they were doing to kind of make the repair department better at one point. They went through some changes there and decided that wasn't as important um, to the bottom line. So they kind of, that program kind of went away a little bit. Um, and so did Just I. A Just a little bit? Well, for me, a lot of it. Um, you know, for me, I would, they chose separation is how I was informed of my... Uh, I was like, does that mean I'm fired? Like, no, we've just chose separation. Awesome. I don't know. I had friends of mine's parents who separated, and that kind of means they're not in the same... I go, does that mean we don't sleep in the same bed anymore? I'm like, I don't really know how this works. Um, Mine on the couch? Yeah. <laughs> now, I want to be clear. I was not sleeping in the same bed as Guitar Center. Um, but good call. Sort right of. Now, you know, I, just, I, don't need a, I don't need that cease and desist. Um, <laughs> but from there, um, when that was over... I was kind of left at a crossroads because I was a little bit older at that point and I had a family and, uh, you know, needed to make money and have benefits and things of that nature. So I kind of just, it was a crossroads. Do I still want to do this? You know what I mean? Like, do I still want to keep working on guitars? Which I did. Um, and then, so I just kind of put the word out to some people that I knew and I had done some work with Russo's with my pickup company. Um, and I had mentioned it to him and he's like, uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. And that was great. Scott's, he's kind of runs the, uh, he definitely runs the service department and much more than that with the retail side of things as well. Uh, all the marketing, you know, everything with the, with that business. And he brought me in and I mean, you know, there was a little bit of a, a learning curve to not working for yourself as much anymore yeah. and working inside of more of a system. But it's been, the good is 110% outweighed the bad. Like it's great to just be around amazing guitars all day and like in great players and all of my customers were on the shore anyway so most of them when they announced i was there were like finally the two things that i like are in the same spot you know what i mean yeah. 
so it worked out great and i've been there since i don't know it's like five years i've been there and i i'm good being there like i don't see i don't see that changing anytime soon you know um they've been very cool with me and they let me grow my business inside of their business which is super cool and you know it makes for mutually beneficial yeah i think so i mean they they get you know they get the access to you know, okay, we want something custom made and we need it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Which, you know, you call any other pickup company and they're like, cool, six to eight weeks. We'll see about invoicing you for that. You know, whereas if we're in a bind, I can go home and do it, you know? So it's pretty cool. Now you talk about, uh, pickups. So Mm -hmm. you, you wind and you actually make the pickup yourself. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have a, uh, pickup company that, uh, kind of came out of a weird thing. I, uh, I was doing pickup repair for a while um, just as part of my repair business and, um, never really thought about making like my own pickup a company. And then, uh, Brian from uh, gaslight had asked me, Hey man, make me a tele pickup. I want it to kind of sound like this. And I was like, sure, man, I can do that. So I made it for him. And then the band blew up at that time. Cause this was right before things kind of really took off for them. Band blew up. And then he called me up. He goes, Hey man, like you need to come up with a name for this company because people are asking me what this is. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll do that tonight, and I'll get back to you tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> right away. Uh, so out. I took uh, the name of the company is Luther Lee Pickups, and uh, that's my my father's first name is Luther, and my grandfather's first name was Lee. My middle name is also Lee, and those were the two guys that kind of showed me how to basically yeah. build and make stuff. So they're, neither one of them they're responsible for you being here. They're, yeah, both of them. Yeah, technically, yeah. As far as we know, I mean, DNA tests haven't been done, but I'm pretty sure, you know. So could be an alien could be yeah well that's possible now uh but yeah so uh that company kind of grew and then uh thanks to brian's help along the way because he's just like super great with like he loves great gear he loves vintage gear and he will talk about the nuances of it for hours and it really matters to him um which which is super cool because then you know it always mattered to me what I'm making and putting my name on, but the fact that it matters to somebody else too, that makes their living doing it at a, at a, at a good level, you know, and it's kind of neat to see, you know, pickups that you've made get put in the hands of other people because they get up and jam with them. You're like, ah, that's mine too. You know? Um, so yes, I've been doing that and it's mostly vintage style pickups. Like, um, you know, we do do some custom winding. I said, do do we, um, (laughs) And uh, that that will do. Like if you have a dream pickup, like hey, I want this thing to do this because no one ever made it like that. Yeah, there's probably reasons why no one ever made it like that at this point. But if you want me to do it for you, I'll yeah. do it. They're gonna pay. Why yeah, not? why not? Right. Um, so I do a lot of vintage restorations of pickups too. Like so, That's if cool. you got a '63 Strat and the pickup's dead, like I'll wind it exactly like it was originally, um, to where when you get it back you know, like it's the same wire. It's the same wines. My winder is built like the old winder from Fender. Like I took all the pictures from that and years of trial and error and come up with stuff. So it's literally like, it almost looks just like the old one from the pictures from Fender, which is super neat to me. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's cool. Um, but so that was just to give you the same. And then while that was happening, I was on the road with the band and now I'm married and I have kids and I'm on the road in a band. So all the things that you do with your spare time when you're on the road in a band, I really wasn't allowed to do anymore. So I became a real pickup nerd at that point. Yeah. I would go back to my hotel room and take them apart and look and see exactly how they were wound and write all this nerdy stuff down. And 
Um, but it did. Well, that's just passion for your craft, that's, right? That's yes, idea. exactly. And it, it kept, uh, you know, passion for your craft, you know, and just filling the time, you know. But that was all research that needed, really needed to be done. That now I'm glad I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you got, you know, you play for three hours, and now you got 21 to figure out what else you're doing with your life. You know. Yeah. But so that all worked out great, and the pickup companies is does really well without a whole lot of work on my end as far as advertising it. Um, just once things get out to the message boards that this guy used it or this guy thought it was cool, like all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the emails come in, the calls come in and, and that's good. And that's fine with my life as it is now. That's enough. You know what I mean? Like would I love it to be bigger. No, actually, I'm I'm really kind of cool with how everything is yeah. right now. It's you know, thing called time. Yeah, that's, which I, that's because at this level it's still fun. Right. If it escalates to a certain level, it's not fun anymore. It's it's just work. Yeah, and I have a job. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, like, you know, it's like I have a job. So there's got to be something that you know you're still passionate about. But it all falls into the music and guitar yeah. genre. You know, <laughs> so. You know, that's really the pickup company. So LutherLeePickups.com, like that's where all that is. Um, that stuff's all out there. And if you have any questions, there's a link, right? Obviously, like every other web page in the yeah. world, you can hit the contact button. You can just send me an email. And I'm the guy who I'm shipping, I'm receiving. Uh, I'm a customer service as well as head pickup winder. Um, well, that's good. See, like he answers his own emails. I, I also do the trash. If you're interested, I also am the guy who takes out the trash. I could use a lawn boy. <laughs> I, lawn I boy? don't do lawn boy uh, anymore. This, this guy, every time I'm like, send us an email at jsmpinfo at gmail.com. He goes, you're not sending me. You're sending him an email. You're sending him an email. <laughs> no, he does not. He does not answer email. He will answer a text occasionally, though, occasionally. which is kind of nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people ask a lot of questions of me, and I try to be as polite as possible because you kind of know me and I'm I prefer to just send you memes and pictures that's well, just that like, makes me smile yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not asking me like hey man there's this like white top on my uh, tube Ugh. what does that mean yeah but you fucking broke it dude. yeah yeah which brings me to my oh, next question boy. for you I knew we were gonna get this one that's gonna be fun <laughs> no there's no fun this, this is serious so what we like to do is best case worst case mm. so out of the guitars that you worked on, give me one of your worst ones and one of your best ones. Ooh. And you have to exclude 1992, 1996, and 2004 Les Pauls. Oh, well, then you just made it too easy. <laughs> the entire year of 2015 for Gibson was <laughs> literally the worst. Um, They've admitted it, so I'm not. They actually on the Gibson like year calendar. I think it goes 2012, 2013, 2014, 2016 because they just don't. They they don't even want to recognize. Yeah, it. it's like it's like the 13th floor in an elevator for them. I think. Um, <laughs> but that's that's you know that I wouldn't say that was the worst repair. I would say that was probably the worst design decisions like okay but no like so repair let's like, go into repairville you make fun of me all the time with my guitar oh, so yeah. let's oh, yeah wow. there's got i know there's people worse that's why them. you excluded those guitars <laughs> now it all makes sense they're all jeff's guitars um well we hear he's an acoustic killer oh uh, he loves to kill acoustic guitars he doesn't believe in humidification at all um i don't even believe in acoustic guitars <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah that's true too um yeah jeff doesn't believe that guitars need moisture so um that's okay i believe amplifiers do need 
need moisture. So I guess <laughs> there you have it. That's fair. Um, is this how you get back and forth? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, he destroys the guitar, gives it to you. You I, destroy the amp, you give it to him. Pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much the how it works. Um, I would say like the best guitars um, that I've gotten to work on, like some of the coolest guitars. Let's put it that way. They've gotten to work on. Um, I mean, over the years, there's been a a lot that had like a pedigree, which is yeah. kind of a cool thing. Um, you know, I did vintage, vintage restorations for a good number of years exclusively for for a vintage dealer, and I got to see some of the coolest guitars. I mean, like you know, fifty nine Les Pauls. I like some people like dream of just seeing one, and I've worked on like ten of them. You yeah, know what I mean? Over the years, awesome. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's the holy grail in guitar world. Um, you know, and you know. Lots of pre CBS Fender stuff and tons of it, which is which is super cool. And you know, and and then what's his name? He does the uh, Home Shopping Network guitars. Home Shopping Network guitars. Oh I yeah, know that um, Esteban. Oh, <laughs> Esteban guitars are are my favorite um, because they're all limited edition, all of them every single one of them but then on the back of this beautiful like wolves howling at the moon picture that they inlay on the back of these really like $20 pieces of garbage guitars and they charge you on flex pay like $75 a month for the next six years but um, (laughs) (laughs) um, it'll be limited edition I I had a customer um, I'm not going to say just recently but just recently um, get to me and he goes I have this great guitar it's limited edition da 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 all right, well, yeah, bring it in. We'll work on it. I'll work on it for you. And I mean, it was, they're built not well. They're really not built well. They're beginner guitars. I mean, yeah. beginner guitars are what they are. Like first act. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're, you know, exactly. If you're buying that guitar at Toys R Us or Home Shopping Network, yeah. you know, you know what you're getting. <laughs> or you don't, and that's the problem. But he came in, and I mean, the bridge was pulling up. The top was bellied. Braces were let go. I mean, all the things on an acoustic guitar it would be the example of you you just bought a car and the transmission's bad the motor's bad the front's the frame's bent <laughs> like everything that really can yeah. be wrong and it's technically not worth as i'm and i'm always honest with people like cuz over the years i've had that dilemma with repair some guys won't work on a guitar that's okay well it exceeds the value of the guitar i'm not going to work on it well some people really want that guitar. That's their guitar. Yeah, it's their like, guitar. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of my favorite guitars is worthless in the grand in the grand scheme of worth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not a Fender. It's not a Gibson. You it's know what I mean? Worth to you. To me, it is. I love the way that neck feels. You yeah. know what I mean? So, would I put money into that guitar if I was just you know going to a repair guy to get money put into it? Sure. And would I want him to make me feel kind of like I have a lesser guitar than everything else? No, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't yeah. want to feel like that. So eh, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> these motherfuckers. <laughs> so I had to kind of come up with something in my own moral standpoint here on like in guitar morals, if there are some, like where do we go with this in the repair world? And being that, you know, I've got a couple other repair guys that, you know, not that I'm their boss, but you know, they kind of like, okay, what do I do about this one? Cause I'm just the guy who's been doing it longer. So sentimental value then became my favorite two words because it's like, okay, if I'm going to, I have to calculate my hours have to be worth something. That guitar that's built poorly from the get go. There's a lot of like foundation work that needs to be done. So I used to feel really bad about saying, Hey man, this is going to cost like $300 round number, whatever. 
When in reality, I would charge three hundred dollars to do that repair on a guitar that was built well. So the job is, let's just say, it's a bridge reglue or something, and on uh, whatever guitar, it's two hundred bucks. Well, if the guitar is built poorly and all these things are wrong with it. I have to do a lot of other work too, but I would feel guilty about saying that because the guitar is not worth $200. Yeah. So now I, I finally came up to the sentimental value clause where it's like, listen, and I just am straight with the people from the get go. Like, if you love this guitar, I love this guitar. And that's the way it is, you know, but understand there's limitations to what we're going to achieve here as far as how good it's going to be. And it's going to take me like way longer just because I'm undoing bad design you know yeah and most people are super cool with that when you like are like hey man like fyi this guitar is literally if we were going to buy this guitar from you number one sometimes we wouldn't that's one answer if a store like a hop like a pawn shop would buy it from you they'd probably give you 40 dollars for it it's going to cost 400 dollars to make it play are you sure you want to put that money into this guitar yeah i'm not saying that you shouldn't i'm not saying that you should my opinion is if you love it we'll fix it so my theory would be you can get a much better guitar for 400 bucks. 100%. And I tell him that too. I'm like, listen, like go in that room over there. Like look at what's available. I'll get one of the sales guys, play a real guitar, play a real guitar, <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, but some people it's about sentimental value. It was my dad's guitar. It was my grandpa's guitar. It was, you know, yeah. my first guitar. Um, I really like the three wolves howling at the moon that are on the back of this limited edition one of number 245 of 25,000. <laughs> yeah. That's the button. <laughs> And just an FYI, when something says limited edition, if it starts with something of 25,000, it's not limited. It's not very limited. It's not very limited. Yeah, but that being said, you know, that that's kind of where we kind of go with that. So garbage guitar, I guess I would have to go with the either entire line from 2015 of the Gibson with the robot tuners and all that stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, although I, I have a soft spot in my heart for those too because... They've brought me a lot of business. Well, of course. Of yeah, I mean, they so made me a they lot made of me, money. My kid goes to college because of Gibson, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, that being said, I love the Gibson Guitar Factory brands, all of them. Now, in this <laughs> business, sorry. we have repeat customers and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, and you don't have to name names, but when you see this person come in, you know the guitar's coming in. Mm. Is it like, give me a for instance of, awesome, I'm going to work on this guitar, it's going to be great, or shit. Oh, it's man. fucking back again. Oh, man. So I have this guy. He has a recording studio, and I've played with him off and on for years. And <laughs> yeah, my, no. my fucking guitars are gems. Yeah, they are gems. <laughs> Except the acoustics. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that too. But whatever. <laughs> Jeff's guitars have gotten a lot better over the years. I, I, I got to give him a little bit of a... Jeff's guitars, he used to go through... Pickups and bridges, anything metal on his guitar would literally melt from the caustic sweat that would come out of this guy. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Morgan. Which, when your entire uh, your entire diet is uh, Jack Daniels and cigarettes, that happens sometimes. But no, no harm, no foul. You were trying to be Lemmy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked for them. Actually, Lemmy was trying to be Jeff. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, no, I would say, yeah, uh, there's definitely, you know this, man. Well, oh, I know you man. like a certain brand that uh, whenever it comes in, like, you know, something with, it's like a horse, it's like a Mustang, like, oh yeah, those are one of your favorite brands. Yeah, like, I, I would say, currently, like, we've had this discussion a lot, um, you know, the, the large manufacturers, they, like, your Fender and your, not so much Gibson, Gibson makes 
pretty much everything here except for you know they have their other brands that are overseas Epiphone but like Fender will make guitars in like seven different countries yeah. um, and there's varying degrees of quality but there's varying degrees of price that's just how it works yeah. you know um, but as far as like a, a brand that I mean really has been like the last five years has been and even before that really but I've had to work on them more because Russo's carries them and sells a good deal of them uh, the Reverend guitars they're made in Korea south not north as far as I know, um, I'm going to start a company in North Korea. They're going to be a little bit different. Well, that should work out well for It'd you. Be fantastic. <laughs> They'll all have the same haircut. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get killed for that. Um, the the Reverend guitars they're built great. I mean, I would say that a lot of the guitars, I, I almost all the guitars I've seen coming out of Korea are spot on. Yeah. Um, fretwork is fantastic. It's like, I mean. It's just great. I mean, you never, like, literally, all the years of working for that store, and we sell tons of those things, I've done one warranty repair on them. Like, as a repair guy, I like them, and as a repair guy, I don't, because they don't break. So, if I was going to tell, like, my brother, like, what guitar to buy for my nephew, I would say, get this guy a Reverend, because this guitar is going to be no drama for you whatsoever. It's just yeah. a great guitar. They have cool shapes, cool paint jobs. The guys who run the company are awesome. I mean, like, I, I have nothing negative to say about them, and they're and they're unique, and they make stuff that's like normal too. They make like a Les Pauly type guitar that's not a Les Paul, yeah. but it's that type of guitar, or a Fendery type guitar too. But yeah, man, as far as quality goes, it's right right up there. But you know, you know, with customers kind of things, the 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 ones that just my favorite customer is that like kid who's just getting into it and he's gotten past that point of where he can actually play some tunes and now his entire his or her it's both entire life is that guitar and you can just see it when they walk in the room you can tell they've read every magazine they've gone to every website they know more about the specs than i do at this point because they're just breathing probably watch like six months worth of worth of videos (laughs) oh yeah yeah. and they come in and you can just see the light in their eyes. And yeah. it's like, and I, I mean, we had this one kid who comes in, that kid walks in the door and I'm like, all right. Probably brightens up the room. It, yeah. Because it's like, that's what it's about. That's what yeah. we, we all were there yeah. at one point, you oh, know, yeah. every oh, yeah. one of us. And no matter what you're passionate about, whether it's music or golf or football or going around in circle car racing, whatever it is, everybody has that passion at a certain age for something and yeah. you just see it and it's like, ah, okay. Yeah. It's I'm not like, going to, I'm not like, going to, it consumes them. Yeah. I'm not going to piss on this kid's parade. I'm going to answer any question he's got and just be cool with them. What drives me a little bit nutty are the, the forum guys. Well, I read on this. Well, I read, you yeah. did this. You could do that. You any customer's sentence that starts out with, I saw on the forum that, it's immediately, the wind is just completely out of my sails. My eyes, maybe not out loud, but maybe you don't see it, but they have rolled back 50 times in my head. And it's just like, cool, man. Like, when my car is broke, I take it to the guy that I trust to fix it. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go, I went on the Kia forum, and they told me that the transmission uh, belt number Z4 needs... Now, I'll answer any question you got, and I'm completely transparent. You want to see my work that I've done for the last 10 years? Go on my Instagram. It's there. You can look at it. Ask me a question. I've probably done one of them in the thousands of guitars I've done at this point. And I'll be honest with you, too. If it's something I don't do, I'm going to tell you straight out of the box, man, I'm not your guy for that. 
You know what I mean? Like, I have a guy for you, though. Like, I mean, I know so many people that do this. Like, and that's the cool thing in the guitar repair industry is it's gotten a little bit younger. There used to be a real, like, brutal competition to this business and, like, a real, like, just not no working with each other at all. Yeah. And that's really changed over the last, there's a few of us that have gone out of our way to make it that way. Like open our doors. Like, no nah, man, if you need that part and I got it, I'll sell it to you. Yeah. Whatever. I'm going to sell it anyway. I'll sell it to you. Why not? Or if you need help with that repair, call me up, man. I'll walk you through it. We got video phone now. It's like the Jetsons. We can do anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't have to go to your house in Indiana. Like we can literally get on the phone with a couple cameras and we can get to the bottom of this repair or worst case scenario, ship it to me or I'll ship it to you. You know, like it's become so much better. And, and I think that there's a good younger group of guys doing this all across the country. And we have like a real, we have like, there's a bunch of like, like guitar repair or luthier guy only forum pages that are so like out so there. you're the forum guys yeah i know right <laughs> oh man i've become the thing i hate um that it's kind of really neat and that used to never be it was a very closed door business for a really long time and for a business was with a lot of ego too yeah 100 percent. and there wasn't a lot of formal education at one point in this business so I think the fact that there is now a tremendous amount of formal education, good and bad, but it's out there at yeah. least, and the internet really opened it up. I mean, you can type in anything on YouTube. I mean, I fixed my dryer on YouTube, yeah. and I'm not a dryer and guy. For me growing up, I always went to uh, Paul Hunkert. Paul's great. Yeah. Paul's great. great dude. Yeah, man, great dude. And his resume of what he's done uh, I just love sitting there and just hear the stories. Oh, uh, he has them, too. There's plenty of them. And he'd, he'd talk your ear off all day if you let him. Yeah, he will. And, I mean, I would I would love to just see his parts collection. I'll tell you that as a guitar repair nerd. Man, I would love to dig through his parts boxes. That would just be insane. <laughs> uh, Paul's great. Like, again, when I was a younger guy, then I found out Paul was in the business. Like, and, yep. you know, he, he did some work for me when I was a kid, and it was super neat. He used to have that shop in Tom's River that, yeah, right I mean, oh, man. And there was earlier it was on Route 37. Yeah, earlier and he, I, I mean, there was a bar in that shop too. And yeah, it was, no, I was a kid, so I probably didn't no. Know. I'm talking about the one that was in downtown. Oh, downtown, yes, downtown. He, I remember, well, I, I was driving, so whatever that makes me. But I went down there and uh, <laughs> I remember I brought something in there, and it was like a, it was almost like a secret that he was there back then. You know, he's like, oh, there's this guy and he's really, really good and he used to do Kramer stuff and Eddie Van Halen is his like, it's like buddy and it's like oh okay cool but i remember going into this shop and it was just showcases down each side with every imaginable part neck body up and down and then when you're a kid guitar yeah. nerd ripping stuff apart you're like i died gone to heaven and then in the back there was a bar and he was hanging out playing music with his friends and they they were drinking brown water and um <laughs> but it was such a cool like vibe you know what i mean it was like ah this this is the vibe that i kind of want to have you know you that kid with the bright eyes i was the kid with the bright oh, eyes yeah, yeah now they're dead full circle now. and now they're dead um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> now there's death behind them um crushed but yeah but now i think about it i mean now i'm i'm 40 something and he had to be 40 something at that time yeah. you know what i mean because that was 20 years ago so I mean, Paul's in his 60s, right, I would think? Yeah, somewhere yeah, in the 60s yeah. or 70s. Yeah. And he had already done multitudes of things by then. I mean, B.C. Rich had come and gone. Kramer had come yeah. and gone. You know, I think Vaccaro hadn't come and gone yet, but it was getting ready to. 
So he's had his hands in a lot of things. Yeah, man. Any guitar company that came through Jersey, he definitely had his hands in for sure. (laughs) I mean, and if you were going to set up, I mean, you know, he was great. And then another guy I learned a ton of stuff from was uh, another guy who worked at Kramer for Wells, Jeff Schloeder. He was, I mean, he does, um, I think it's called Schloeder guitars now. Um, but great guy. I mean, just a great builder. And he came from that same group of guys that were, he was kind of like the, he would come in, like they'd have it up and running. And then when those guys would leave in these companies, cause they always seem to have a, seems like these Jersey guitar companies have like an ebb and flow to how yeah, long they wave, last. Yeah. Boy, they take off like a rocket ship and then they, <laughs> and then they fade away. And they, hey, this and is they, something new. Oh, oh, no, no, yeah. There tends to be a, a lot of issues there too, but that would be a different podcast. <laughs> That's a whole um, other story. That would be a different podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the guys out there like that. So that was really how that kind of all started was kind of that way, you know? So for the, uh, the tens of our listeners, any tips? I love on, all 10 of them too. I do too, especially. <laughs> Wait, there's 10 of them. <laughs> it's growing, bro. It's growing. Um, any tips for them? All these, cause they're mostly players. Any tips on maintaining? Oh yeah, man. The, uh, well, for, for acoustic guitar players, mostly. Humidification is like everything. We live at the Jersey. I write that down. Hold write on. that down. It's uh, it's uh, guitars need water. Like, guitars need water. yeah, um, you can overhumidify a guitar. I'm not saying you can't. It, it is something you can do. We live at the shore. Some of us live on a lagoon, which has a lot of humidity. Some of us live like where I live. It's air salty. Yeah, yeah air salty over there. Some of us live like in the Pine Barrens, where it's humid or it's dry. Like it's yeah. one or the other all day. So Jersey, you can go from like last week, 80 degrees to 40 degrees. So guitars don't like that. They're yeah. not fans of that kind of movement. They like the consistent temperature. They love consistent humidity and they love consistent, really temp- temperature yeah. changes. So I would say the biggest thing is with your acoustic. I mean, they make products now that there's a bunch of different companies out there. They make them. I always ask them when I somebody new, they buy a new acoustic guitar that's made of solid woods and it's a nice one. I go got to humidify your guitar. You just have to. Uh, your house humidifier isn't going to cut it. You know, don't think it will. If you have one that pumps into your house, it's going to get you closer, but it's not going to be enough. Yeah. I know we like to look at them. It's not a great thing to leave your good acoustic guitar hanging on a wall. Unfortunately, it's not. The reason why we can at our music store is because we have seven humidifiers that are have reverse osmosis filters that run and keep that place at 50% humidity 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, if you want to get into that, like you can, they make those kind of things, humidifiers. And we have a couple high end customers that they said, yeah, I paid $10,000 for that acoustic. I want to look at it. So I'm willing to deal with your humidification guy and have that room made so I can do that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to pay $10,000 for an acoustic, I'm probably, pretty sure the rest is just a drop in a bucket. Yeah, I'm sure paying $700 for a humidifier really doesn't bother you, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. But they make products like the, I always ask customers right about, can you keep a plant alive? And I'm not talking like a cactus. Can you keep like a real plant alive? If you can, and you're used to watering something, then any humidifier will work for you. If you can't, I hope you don't have any animals. That's number one. But... They make products now like the Humipax from Planet Waves and um, Diodario that they keep the guitar at a constant humidity. You don't have to worry about it. You throw them in the case. You forget about it. When they're dry and crunchy, you buy new ones and you throw them back in the case. It's super easy. Humidification is key, personally. And then the other thing with every other instrument, it's keep it where you're comfortable without a jacket. 
You know what I mean? So if you're a guitar, you kind of want to be where you are without a jacket. So that's why I always tell people like, listen, your guitar's comfortable where you're comfortable. And that's really it. Like, would you want to sleep in your car with it's two degrees outside with no jacket on? No, probably not. Your guitar doesn't want to either, you know? And then I had the argument from a customer once, well, it was a tree. (laughs) Well, it was a tree. Yeah, it was outside all the time. I said, (laughs) well... Fair enough. <laughs> I had no response. What, what do you say? It's like, what, what do you say to that? Yeah, exactly. It was a tree. And You're right. right. And it was f- fluid with all its tree shit in and it breathed in air. And now right. we cut it down and it doesn't live anymore. Right. Well, <laughs> it was a tree, Jeff. That's all I can tell you. It was a tree. Yeah, that would be with the guitar. And I, I would think for, you know, with amplifiers like you do. I mean, I, you've instructed me several times that I shouldn't leave them in places like I do. That's probably the same thing for amplifiers and, and you know, electronics like that. It's just probably keep them where you're comfortable and you're all right. Yeah. yeah. Like, Not a uh, basement, garage, attic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Try yep. to keep squirrels and shit out of them. That's where they all are. Yeah. Yeah, that's where they're at. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you try to do. And water. They like water. They love yeah, water. They love water. They're and, big and fans. You should totally pour the water in it while it's on. And brown you're touching water? it. Brown water? Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Brown water is my favorite water. Yeah, but that's the hardest to clean. Mm. It's the hardest to clean off. I love those amplifiers that have the, uh, the vent holes in the top. Which is right now, because the top is a drink holder. I mean, everybody yeah, knows yeah, that, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I love yeah. that. It's like, wow, that's job security for every amp guy I've ever met. But yeah, but there's not that many of us left. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it is a dying art, man, on your side, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. That was like that band world, man. That was the reason why I got into it was the people we had doing it. I remember the guy in the store I was working at, he was making way more money than I was. I, I would give his invoices to the billing person, and I'm like... This guy's charging a lot of money to fix a clarinet and a flute, you know? And, I mean, there's a lot to it, I found out later, but, um, and they were, they're all 150 years old, you know what I mean? And they were 150 years old 20 years ago, so they're probably dead. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's just nobody around doing it anymore because I still have some of my customers that remember me from, because I stopped doing that in any way, shape, or form ever again about five years ago. And, I still have customers that will occasionally call me like, hey, man, I'm in a bind. And I'm like, oh, dude, I sold every one of those tools and every part to deal with it because I just don't – I'm out of that game. Yeah. I'm too busy with guitars. Like, yeah, I'm so busy with guitars now, the pickup company suffers because, you know, it's just we're I've never – I'm in a four-week backlog, you know what I mean, for the simple things. And yeah. that's not even projects. So, like, I'm I'm scheduled out till September on some jobs. And then I have some jobs that are just like, this is a full restoration. This is a whenever I get to it. And that could be two years from now that I finally get around to doing that. You know, the beginning of the pandemic was helpful in getting through what was before that because, you know, obviously nothing was coming in yeah. for the first month. You just know, we through your backlog. Yeah. yeah. So I got, I mean, luckily for me, my procrastination paid off. <laughs> I told my mom it would. Um, it gave me an ability to get through multiple jobs that were just sitting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I made a lot of people that had totally forgotten they had guitars happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. I did get that to you. Oh, right. Shit. (laughs) You still exist. Huh? It's like, uh, but, um, I try to keep that to a minimum now with, we have a very clear invoicing program at Russo's that we can now track our time. We can schedule jobs out for months in advance and with little reminders, which is kind of cool now too. So, um, I'm embracing that slowly and, um, 
it's kind of neat because now I can see like, okay, well I have a neck reset on this guitar. So, but I got to do a ton of other things to the guitar before I do this neck reset. And it's like, you know, those jobs are big. It's like, that's a full rebuild. Yeah. So. Very good. Very good. So another question. This when do I get to ask the questions? Uh, you, you may ask a question whenever you like. All right. I'll let me think of one. <laughs> I mean, not now. Later. Oh, later okay. Later. Okay. Okay. Raise your hand when you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> Speak when spoken. Yes. <laughs> if you went on the road as a tech, what would be the tool you want in your pocket or by your side at all times? Mm. I, I have a, like I have like a I've done a little bit of road work with people. Uh, one of the guys I work with, Bill, he he'd be great for this too. He has great stories. Um, he did that exclusively for years. Um, that's a different animal. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, but I would say what I would want more than anything else uh, would be good earplugs, really, is oh, what no. I would want. you got to work on the guitar. <laughs> I would hope that the band that you're working for is actually really fucking good. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would say that um, a good Allen key set and okay. and a strobe tuner, really, because you got to be intonated. Now, I always hear about the strobe tuner thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what is... The difference between a strobe tuner and one that just tells you the letter or one that clips onto the neck of your guitar or well, headstock what, of your guitar. The ones that just tell you the headstock stuff, for normal playing as a player, that's fine. You, you don't need any of that. Um, strobe tuners are only really important if you're setting intonation on the guitar. So making sure by adjusting the bridge and the nut, you're making sure that every note on that guitar plays in tune. So a G here is going to sound like a G here or G here guitars are imperfect instruments by nature which is kind of hard to explain to people sometimes um and there's tons of internet you can go down that rabbit hole for the rest of your life um but they're not perfect they it's not like a piano like it, it, that's why there's so many places for adjustment right exactly yeah. and and you're adjusting to get close so that this you know because if you were to take it and make this G right here plays absolutely perfect. Okay, well, now you're going to move up two or three frets and it's not going to anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so that note isn't going to play perfect. So making it on a very, like, let me just dumb it down. Like, so it's not perfect, but the the thing that we can control on a guitar is the intonation on the guitar. And that you need a strobe to set because that breaks it down to, you know, much more like, accurate you can look at like how the strobe moves and you can see to get it closer and closer and closer so then you're going to adjust that bridge and adjust that nut on a strobe tuner you need to see how that waveform moves back and forth if you're just tuning the guitar for yourself you don't need that it's going to drive you nuts you're going to look at that thing moving back and forth and those lights and the dials moving back and it's, it's just it's going to drive you nuts because you're not adjusting anything uh, at that point that's going to change that you're yeah. just setting the tuning on the guitar so if you're just a guitar player like and you're not doing tech work on it, you don't need a strobe tuner. Like if you're doing if you're doing tech work and you don't have a strobe tuner, don't I, do I, it. Don't do it. Yeah, like if you're. Well, that was gonna be my question. Yeah. It's like, all right, so I'm just gonna go get one of those little things and put it on the headstock and intonate my guitar. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Nice. Yeah. Um, don't do it, kids. Yeah. Uh, and I would say if if you know if you're taking your guitar to get it fixed from anybody, you know, and your friend doesn't have a strobe tuner. 
I don't know how he's intonating your guitar. I mean, now they're, I mean, I think you can even get an app from Peterson on your phone yeah. with a microphone that, you know, with one of those amazing Tim Cook dongles that you can attach to a microphone. And, um, you know, you can get a strobe tuner that way, but there's so much stuff out there. Like if you wanted to like start messing with this as a guitar repair guy, I would say go for it. Like get a cheap guitar, mess it up. You know what yeah. I mean? Go for it. That's what, that's what I did. I took tons of things apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then some of them I put together just recently that I found as a kid. Because I was like, oh, crap. I took that all apart. Let me put it back together. That'd be fun. Um, I couldn't do it then, but I could do it I now. I do it now. <laughs> I have all those skills. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say, again, that's what's important about a strobe tone is you're setting intonation. You know, that, that's really it. And, and they look kind of cool. Okay. There's something to be said for that. If it doesn't look cool, do you really want it? Nah. Nah. I mean, I guess if it... I like uncool shit. If, so. if, it, if it plays and sounds good, that's all that really matters. Exactly. I mean, now, what looks the most uncoolest, and it's been voted on by everybody, I didn't vote, oh, okay. so everybody but me voted, is those clip-on headstock tuners. When you're doing a gig, take this off your guitar. I know. I know. We're going to... We'll set up a whole day. We're going to do a panel. We should have a panel discussion. On what's if, not cool. Okay, see a band live. What's not cool? Clip, Clip on, on tuners. tuners. Oh, you know, my like gosh. Maybe red leather jackets. Leather something like leather that. Leather pants. Yeah. Mm, settle down. <laughs> well, it depends if you're doing an 80s thing. I guess it'd be all right. Or acceptable. White cloth's not cool, right? There ain't no laws when drinking claws. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. The... Oh, yeah, the power of Sticker Jesus compels you. Full-color, waterproof, UV-resistant decals printed for your art, your business, mm-hmm, and your club or anything you want to promote, mm-hmm, like a cup of coffee in the big time. DM His Ass Holiness here or email me, link in bio, to start your order. Remember, Stuck Up is your source for signs, stickers, banners, and way more. Like, way more. So much more. More than you can ever imagine. So, so much more. His ass holiness will get you there. Praise ass holiness. Um, okay, so uh, my pickup company is, uh, you can reach its website and there's contact information there. It's lutherlypickups.com. Uh, there's sound clips on there, um, pictures, neat little stories if you're into that. Um, there's also going to be a price increase in those at the end of summer, just letting everybody know. Um, so... If you get in, or if you get in before I do the price increase, you'll get the regular price. Um, and if you mention the podcast, I'll give you ten percent off too. I mean, wow, why not? Let's do it. Wow. You know. See that? Uh, so that's a bargain on top of a bargain, and you can get some stickers too from the other. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll do that. Um, so that's lutherlypickups.com. If you want to see the cool stuff that I'm fixing at the time, that's coming over my bench. Um, occasionally, my dog too. That's going to be up there. Uh, Eric fixes stuff. I believe is my Instagram stuff eric fixes stuff see i was right um eric fixes stuff is on instagram uh it's got all sorts of stuff on there um you can also uh, russomusic.com has a great website as well all their stuff's on that website's actually they do it's really awesome they do a great job with that um if you want to get a hold of me for repair stuff you can just come on into russo music um or you can hit me up on instagram that's fine too um i'll gladly talk to you there um That'd be the two other things. Um, that'd be the two main things I should say. As far as like music and playing music, I do that as well. Um, 
you know, I've grown up a little bit, so not as much as I used to, but um, I do a Christmas band with Jeff over here. Uh, yes, Merry Christmas! Yeah, we'll be doing some Christmas in July things, which will be fun, um, because last year we didn't get to really have Christmas nope. at all, um, but we wrote some cool tunes, um, so that's fun. But yeah, you can check that out at MightyTreeToppers.com. That's uh, kind of our passion fun project that we've come up with over the years, which is kind of cool. We'll be back in December. We'll do it as a whole big thing. Oh, yeah. December's going to be huge. July, we'll have some gigs, too. It's going to happen. Um, But the those would be that's kind of my musical outlet now. You know, I do some TV music for a bunch of different things, too. And um, so that's kind of it's kind of really where that's at as far as that goes. Awesome, man. With COVID going on and you being in the Asbury scene, as much as you are seeing all the musicians come in to get their stuff fixed, what is the vibe of, you know, hopefully the music scene coming back? Maybe it's fucking dead forever. Um, Boy, that would make you happy, wouldn't it? uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) what else? Like, what what is the general, like, vibe going on? Because you're kind of in the heart of it with Asbury and all these places that... Well, they're still alive today. We'll wait and see about the rest of the, you know, till everything opens back up. What's, what is, like, people coming in and get their guitars fixed. Well, first, why and for what? Yeah. And, you know, like, are they playing outside? You know, I know they close streets down, but that's more for restaurant stuff. There's mm-hmm. still no talk of arts being resurrected from yeah. this. It's it's interesting because again, like I talked about, I can look at it from the repair side of things and from the musician side of things too. But from the repair side of things, I have people that come in all the time like and they're like, hey, you know, no rush. And I'm like, good, because it's gonna be like four weeks. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, because it's nothing but guitar music on the radio and all these gigs that are out there for everybody. Some people get it and they laugh. Some people don't get it and they walk out and they actually think there's a million gigs and guitar music is on the radio. Um, oh, they're special. It's great. But the, you know, it, it's a funny thing because, uh, you know, obviously up until summer, everything of 2020, everything was dead. There was, there was nothing. Oh, yeah. you know, it wasn't happening at all. The door cracked a tiny bit for outside things last summer and I know some people some customers of ours did them some of my customers did them I mean I had a few calls like as a musician to play them I, I chose not to hey man I don't give a I don't I really don't care like if you know if you don't want to do it don't do it I, my personal choice is I'm not there yet you know what I mean I have reasons in my personal life to not be involved and be out there and taking risk and I'm not going to you know what I mean so the door cracked a little bit for outside stuff last summer and I saw some guys out there doing some work mostly singles and duos not a lot of band stuff. Uh, and then over the winter, same thing. There were some singles and duo stuff out there, but not a tremendous amount of band stuff. Um, the band stuff started to open up a little bit, like with the outside tents and the this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but like as far as the Asbury uh, scene goes, I know um, from what I know, and again, like my, my head has been in that workbench pretty much all the time lately, and I haven't really been out because I don't really want to go out yet. But um, the... I know the Wonder Bar was doing shows, like socially distanced shows. Um, but I'll, I mean, let's just say there's 20 venues that were doing shows. What I know of is like two or three. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I know a lot of people were doing like some of those like we don't talk about it backyard party shows, and um, 
you know, that was happening. I know some of the clubs like on the circuit are like kind of opening up. You know what I mean? I know some people like Barre and places like that are starting to do like reservation shows. And I'm sure now that things change, they'll, you know, as the year progresses, if things keep going well, I'm sure that that'll open up a little bit more, a little bit more. I just think I heard there's a big old dumpster outside the Brighton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard that too. We were talking about yeah. that. I heard from someone who worked there that they were told about two weeks ago to drop your keys off. Which is kind of a bummer, man. I, I mean, I know Long Branch is kind of what they're, they're saying. Long Branch is the next Asbury, is what they're saying. Um, they like, a couple condos on there. Oh, yeah. Like they said, you know, when Asbury started coming back, Asbury's the new Red Bank. And, um, <laughs> you know, the deal. I mean, just like every other well, cool. I mean, it's, it's all right, because Asbury was a shithole. Dude, and that's the thing. Like, people say, like, thing, they'll come in like, Asbury isn't cool anymore. And it's like, okay, like... I remember, I, was leaving, there. I remember leaving shows there and worried about getting jumped or stabbed. Or Dude, hot. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was I mean, I mean, was playing shows out on the sidewalk. 100%. You know? I remember going to the beach there, like, because there was nobody on the beach. And we're talking like 95. Okay, so when I tell you this, as you sit on your incredible balcony on Cookman Avenue, looking down on this beautiful street. <laughs> listen, understand that this is not an exaggeration and I'm not going for laughs here, but I will get them. Um, I used to do shows in the mid to late nineties there. And that wasn't even the height of the garbage. I took a wrong turn, leaving the pony to play for no money. Um, and turned down Cookman, which was like a no, no. Oh yeah. That was a big no, no. Like your high rent district now was a no, no. The only two things that were in that whole street was still the hot dog house <laughs> that was still there, and a, a like a pawn shop, a uh, bell bonds yeah. shop. That was the only two things that were there, and there were literally people that were in the middle of Cookman Avenue were two burning barrels like, like Mad Max when I turned down that street, and I'm like. I, I need to find a way out of here. Yeah. Like I made the I wrong turn. I made the wrong turn. But again. I get like I understand how this all works. Gentrification is like it sucks for musicians and artists, and and I completely am with you. Like there needs to be like, I wish we could go like sixty percent good. You know what I mean? Like if every time like, you know, you know how a city works. It runs down. It runs its course, and then people move in. Art usually artists because it's cheap. Yeah. It's kind of cool architecture. Artists love cool architecture and they love taking a place that's kind of trashy and making it cool. A lot of the cool old buildings aren't even there anymore. Exactly. They they went away. But yeah. the super cool thing in a, in a time like that, if you can catch that time period, which I've been lucky enough in my life to catch it twice, which is kind of cool. And now I'm kind of on the other side of it where I would have to be the guy investing in it and I don't have that kind of money. But I caught Red Bank when it was coming up and I caught Asbury when it was coming up. Like caught Asbury, caught Red Bank towards the end of it being super cool. For artists, it's super cool if you have like money now. Like, yeah. it's, expensive it, it's great. Thing, like, yeah. if you want to go there and you got like Kardashian money, it's super cool. Like, Kardashians wouldn't have thought Asbury was cool 10 years ago or 15 that's years Long ago. Branch down by the water now, too. And that's Long and Branch. It's working its way in. Yeah. And yeah. Long Branch, like, and that's a shame about the Brighton, like, because that was a cool place. And they seem to have been doing stuff during COVID, too. Like, they had like their cool, like, pasta dinners they were selling. Yeah. And yeah, I know that doesn't pay the bills. Too or something. Yeah. They were do. they had like comedy shows booked. No. They had bands booked. They had a stage in the, in the back outside. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I I didn't go, but like I heard they were doing things, yeah. which some places aren't doing anything. You know, like I don't so know. I wonder how they're gonna stay alive doing that. Even doing nothing, doing minimum. 
Well, that's the thing too, man. Like, you know, if you've worked in the bar business at all, you know, the margins are shit. Like it's like 20, 30% on a good day. That's a margin. So, I mean, how do you, and they're all running at a shoestring, you know, how, how do you keep it going? I mean, but I mean, I have heard the doors cracked for some places like, and again, I know we talk about like a lot of times how like, Oh, this has going too far one direction. And I agree. You know I mean? I'm there every day and it's, it's become a little bit like, you know, a little less cool. You know, it was really cool for a while. It's become a little less cool, but it still has its cool pockets. You know, um, the doors cracked. I think that people are very optimistic. So especially with, they just didn't have to stay. All those uh, restrictions are coming up. For yeah, restaurants that's big. Dance Dan. floors are allowed to be open now. Oh, really? What about bar? About what about the actual bars? Yeah, that's seating. Allowed. That's they're, not, they're supposed. To, I thought I said supposed to have bars. You're allowed you're to have bar, bar seating, seating, but you have to be you six have to maintain feet six foot distance. Okay, well that's something. It's something, but yeah. in give it a couple months. Now, give it a couple months. months. I think so. Yeah, too. All, 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 they're saying end of June. Dude, I just saw literally on Twitter. Now I don't know if it's real or not. So, because everything on the internet's real, uh, of course, of course. Uh, but I think it was from Governor Murphy. Someone retweeted it. I don't follow him. Just so you know, like I think he's all right. <laughs> I guess. Um, but that they're offering some local breweries are offering a free, free beer, beer if you, if you, you prove your vaccination yeah. in May. Yeah, in May. Because I guess like it's slowing down a little bit. People are like, oh, I don't want it. Everyone else got it. You know what I mean? But. I got mine. Yeah, it sucked for a couple days after I had number two. You know what I mean? It sucks. You know, whatever. It's fine. It's better than being on a ventilator and dead. Uh, True story. I, it took my dad, man. I know. Did it really? Oh, yeah. man, I'm sorry. That's yeah, terrible. March, yeah. Oh, early, too. Yeah, right, right in the very beginning of it, yeah. Oh, man. That sucks. See, it's yeah. like, that's what drives me nuts. It's like, yeah. and that's why, like, I have a kid who, you know. Well, my dad was not a healthy person either. Well, my so. kid's a diabetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, regardless, that's like on the, that's on the list of like, that's on the what list of COVID when they're looking around. Like, oh, diabetic? Cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got to be careful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 100%. you know, and, you know, like it drives me. I'm lucky that I work in a place that has been very safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And that's been really good. They've taken great lengths to not have risks. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's been great. Um, but still, man, I you know I get nervous. I got a 94-year-old grandmother who lives across the street from me. You know what I mean? I don't want to be the one that puts her in the ground. You know what I mean? And I don't want to hear anybody say, well, you know, she was 94. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's screw you, man. Like, yeah. it's not your grandma. You know what I mean? Like, granted, I mean... I know I say this now and maybe 20 years I'll be like, Oh, I guess I was wrong, but don't, don't listen to Eric for medical advice. But like, if you're listening, <laughs> hey, if, you, if you're coming to this podcast for medical advice, I assure you, you're fine. You're stupid. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> Actually, you'll probably be all right. Cause we'll we're take you to the promise. Yeah. We'll bring you in. Um, brown water. Yes. <laughs> Heals everything. everything. Kills it all. Um, but yes, I saw that he's offering like because they want to get people more younger people more motivated yes, too for the twenties. Yeah, sometimes. to get something. And I saw that you're just going to open up for they're doing the final test for younger kids. So and my kid's fourteen. So like, okay. I want I want him to get the get the shot, man. Like I, you know, I want every, dude. I want to go back to being normal, like uh, sorta. Um, I don't know. There were some parts of this I re- cool. <laughs> some parts of this I, I kind of like not going out and doing things or you know you know going to shows, playing shows. Yeah, but I do like people avoiding me. I'm a big fan of not shaking hands now. I'll tell you that. Yeah, like, like, even yeah. when you're walking in stores, like you're walking down the aisle, they make sure they stay as far away from you as possible. Like I kind of like that. Um, I really like. I don't like about 97 percent of people. That's low. 
<laughs> I mean, your partner I'm likes. To, I'm trying to be nice. Your partner's at 99.7. I've mellowed out during this. But I would say that, like I said, the doors open. As far as people's attitudes, um, the general rule of musicians, man, they they're like ready to rock and roll. They want to go. Like, I mean, I know that there's a lot of guys that. Like you said, they've they've gone through this on the other end. They had some time off, me included. Like, I got off the wheel. Like, I was a hamster on a wheel since I was 15 years old doing yeah. this. Like, I've never not had a gig for three months since I was 15 years yeah, old. I played twice in the past, like, year, yeah. year or so. Yeah, we played two outdoor shows I mean, down in Lazy, like a big, you know, thing at a park. Sure. But that's it. But, I mean, I, I got to the point where the band that I was in that played super regularly, like, we were set up to have a summer full of gigs, and the guitar player called me up. He goes, hey, man, he goes, I, I know we're coming to that point where I have to make a decision. I, I just don't think I want to do this. I don't want to go to the bar and yeah. drag my gear, and I, can, I think I'm just comfortable writing tunes and in my uh, in my studio at home. And I wonder how many people that's affecting like that. Because he's not the only story. No, no. I, I, think, I think you... And it's kind of interesting too. I was just talking about this with another guy that like your, your, let's say your bigger cover bands that like, again, guys that never got off the wheel, like this is just, this is how I make my living. This is what I do. Um, this is my whole, this is who I am. You know what I mean? It's just doing these gigs and they've never gotten a chance to take a breath off the wheel and come up with something or, or have to come up with something else. Let's just say, and sometimes it's like, Oh, there are other things in this world and that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's completely okay. And like, that's where I'm at. Like I've had calls and I thought I would be like, right on. I'm going to take every gig I can get. And I've had people call me and I'm like, yeah. And then I'll like, send me a song list. And I'll look at the song list. And I'm like, I got to learn a song. I don't know. Nah, I'm not the guy, you know? So I guess I'm off the wheel for now. And I think that there are some guys that are off the wheel, but I'm not upset about it. You know what I mean? Like if you would like last year, if you would have just said your band's done and you have a summer full of gigs and your band's done, I'd have been like, oh crap, and scramble and try to find. But you know, it's been so long now where it's like I kind of just want to play the stuff that I want to play and make something cool that I want to make. Yeah. Like I'm doing a, doing a Christmas thing with Jeff and like we play other songs too. We get together. It's how we kept ourselves sane all yeah. summer long. Was just okay. I know you're being safe. I know I'm being safe and I know there's enough room in here for us to stay apart from each other because all of us took it seriously and yeah. you know and okay don't do something stupid you don't do something stupid and you don't do and if anybody was like exposed to somebody we just didn't get together yeah. and that was okay too like mm -hmm. there was no pressure um, but I think I mean there's a lot more people playing guitars now well, I think there's something to that with your whole off the wheel thing. Because even like I was always playing shows, playing shows, playing shows, and ever since this whole thing's like I've actually been really enjoying doing the podcast. Right. Like it's 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 a breath it's of fresh air. Yeah. It's like I, I'm not saying I don't want to play the bass guitar, but I'm just saying maybe that's not all I want to do. Yeah, I agree 100. percent You know, what I mean, like maybe there's more out there, and and there is. You know, and that's super cool. Like I've literally had Saturdays off. I took my dog to the park for three hours. Like, dude. <laughs> I'm so cool with just hanging with my dog. Like, that's just, I'm good. Like, you know? Um, but no, but I would say the, the, as far as the vibe of people, the musicians that I'm seeing in Asbury and like for that area, um, I know pony shows have been announced. 
Um, I, I, I'm assuming Summer Stage is going to go. Yeah, I saw they announced the Deftones. Yeah, for, for August. Yeah, I saw like That's at least right. August shows. Yeah. I saw were still on the on the docket. I mean, I had tickets for one show that was supposed to happen last August, which they're honoring this August. Um, I mean, I don't know what the restrictions are going to be. I mean, it's outside. I mean, it's still six feet though. Outside. I mean, I feel kind of comfortable being. I'm getting more comfortable being outside now that I've been fully vaxxed and everything. And I'm sure some people don't care either way. Yeah, but. I mean, the beach is going to be full. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was full last year. When did we work? Right. Fully locked. Exactly. So the, the beach is going to be full. So. Like, like, Island Beach State Park would still be closed by like 8.30 a.m. Right. Sunday. Oh, yeah. 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 Hands down. But I will say this, which, which is going to be interesting, and, and we've talked about this too. Fender Guitars had the best quarter of the entire company's history as far as selling guitars last year. They had one of their best years in the history of the company last year. Because everybody was sitting home. Everybody's buying guitars. Can't get them. Like, and we work in a store that we carry all the major brands. We can't get guitars. Guitars we're getting now, we ordered last year. Martin, you want something? If I order it today from Martin, let's say, hey, man, I want this Martin. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. Cool. I'm going to put the order in. I'll see it in 18 months. Wow. I mean, that's what they're saying now. You know, obviously... They're going to want to try to make that number come up a little quicker. Well, yeah, it's just yeah. basically well, the there's fa- a backlog you know, on where, where they're producing them. You can't have as many people producing on the floor. Yeah, and Every- and Fender, literally, I mean, again, and they make guitars in several different countries, you know, and and they basically told us, hey, FYI, twenty twenty sold out. Everything we can make in twenty twenty is sold out, or twenty twenty one, I should say, is sold out. Um, so whatever you ordered, we'll get to you. You know what I mean? And you're ordering for 2023 now, or 2022, 2023. That's what you're ordering for now. Gibson's the same way. Like, so there's a lot more people with a guitar in their hand. Now, I'm not going to say this is the British invasion over again. (laughs) Because that came because popular music had guitars in it. This came because people were bored and home. Yeah. So... I'm curious on how many people are going to stick with it because even in the best of times, it's like a was it five percent or something stick with it after yeah. they buy it. We had talked on uh, with uh, on our first podcast what people really use this time to work on their craft, mm. you know, and when it, everything opens back up and people because we've always had the talks of like even if you're going to release something right now, do you release a record? Do you release a single? Mm. How do you go about that? Because you can't if you release an album, you can't play to support it. True. You know? So if, if are you really doing yourself a disservice by releasing it? So if that happens, once everything opens up and people just start releasing all this music, how much shit are you going to have to sift through? Right. I mean, yeah. You know and that, that answer came from. Right. <laughs> well, and I mean, and that's with everything. That's with music. Because, I mean, think about how many people are home recording music. So you're going to have those few kids that sat there and, like... <clears throat> legitimately worked on their craft and they're going to put out something that's phenomenal. But again, but think about all, get a lot of garbage. Right. Too. And think about even before this, how much noise you had to sift through mm-hmm. to get it out there. Now worse include a year of people sitting home, hopefully being productive. And if they're being productive musically, I mean, I know friends of mine that are, wrote records at home that have never written a song before. Are they good? I don't know. It doesn't matter whether I think they're good or not. Case he gets annoyed because right I'll there. be sitting at home and I'll send him little videos of rips yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's what you should be doing. Yeah. You know? And so I'm just curious, will will the 
and I have my opinion, but... Oh, let's hear it. Uh, well, no, let's hear the question first. Um, <laughs> no, I don't care. I still the, <laughs> will the gig market be dictated by the amount of people playing? Because will they need venues to play? Or are we becoming kind of more of a... Because it kind of feels like we're becoming more of a, a culture in everything where we're more... I guess you can only say is like, I don't want to go see somebody do it. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot less people that want to go appreciate something and more people that just want to do something, which there's good and bad. I'm not saying either one of those is good or bad. There's less of an audience and more of a performer. Yeah, it's true. But, but we've had a conversation too. Do you think that more venues are going to set up something like we have right here and offer online tickets where you can pay a shorter, you know, a lesser ticket fee and you can just stream the show. Why not? The house. They would be stupid not to. I mean, you get all the kids. They'd be stupid not to. I know, I mean, I know my kids, you know, because you don't really you don't hear anybody doing that. But it, I mean, I is anybody sure. making money with the live stream thing? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. We haven't had anybody on yet that has done one yeah. to tell us. I'm going to go with no. I mean, I know Jesse that said he had talked to the scene there. They're set up to bring people in, and you can pay. Well, hour they're charging. Hour. He, he's, his question is: Anybody actually making money? Yeah, that's well. The thing. artists never make money. I mean, I mean that's here's the an opportunity thing. for them. But my th- my question is this though: When we get to the when we get to the open side, because that's like the question is like, how's the scene going to be? Like, are we going to end up in the Roaring Twenties type of deal where everybody? I see. I think everybody is going to be so jazzed to go out. But that doesn't mean they want to go out and see music. Exactly. And yeah. that is my case in point. It's like, yeah, everybody wants to get out there. They want to go drink their beer. They want to go have be fun. It's going to be a shit show. Yeah. Nobody went to shows before the pandemic. Why would this change? The other thing. Well, that, I think you might have like a spur right in the beginning where you can yeah. get somebody to come out and see your band. But, I think so, too. That'll, that'll fall off. Right. And I also think this is going to be a little bit of a dilemma, too. When you, you, you In the very beginning, until all restrictions are lifted. Okay, my bar can have 50 people in it. There's five guys in your band. Well, there's five guys that aren't drinking yep. and eating, taking up a space. You know what I mean? So uh, give me the duo, and you guys set up in the corner. You know what All I mean? comes down to the almighty dollar. Always has, always will, Bib. I don't understand why people don't think it won't. Yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't does. you? I mean, now, I mean, I'm hoping, and, you know, we won't see the fruits of this for five years probably because everything takes there's a cycle because people have to get good enough to do things you know um a lot of people i think when things open up and they can start doing other things they're gonna do them you know what i mean and that doesn't mean guitar they're not we're gonna play guitar again but they're not gonna sit there and make that their priority oh yeah once once everything and you can go out and do what you want all the time yeah those guitars are gonna start collecting dust and the other thing like amplifiers so we've talked about before you've never put more tubes amplifiers than you have recently it's because people are not going to work really they're at home home, so they're leaving their amplifier on and when they're off that zoom meeting they're picking up their guitar and they're playing for a little bit you know i'll play on their dime you know (laughs) and um but obviously when people start going back to the office that that ends that's the end of that i can't even remember the last time i fired up my ampeg it's probably been at least a year and a half oh yeah man i mean (laughs) you're one of the lucky ones yeah so i mean i think that there is a great amount of optimism and like there's definitely a hunger to do it but there's no I don't know if there's going to be a venue to do it so there'll be a buzz I think there'll be the hunger yeah but that's going to just 
That's like anything, man. Like, yeah, you know what? That's like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to run six miles, ten miles a day. You know, you start Dude, doing it. Dude, it shows. You look great. <laughs> you do it every day. But you know damn well nobody's going to stick with it. Well, Come yeah, on. again. Just like going to the gym. Well, 1%, really. I mean, that's what they say sticks with anything is like 1% on average. Like if you, a new a new idea, a new hobby, like yeah. even working out, like everybody, January, the club's packed. You know, the retro fitness is packed to the gills on January to January, yeah. like <laughs> second. Sometimes it'll go until February. Right, yeah. Sometimes. But you get to March, you got no problem getting yourself a treadmill. You know, you know how we'll tell? And I'll probably say if everything opened up, let's say May, May of 2022 or May of 2023, how many of the fucking 2020 models of those fenders that were sold out will be on fucking Craigslist? Yeah, we've talked about that a great deal, too, because we've put in obviously tremendous orders, you know, because, you know, we want to sell guitars. That's what we are open to do. And. But I had said, it's like I had said to one of the guys we were talking about, I go, man, when everybody goes back, obviously there's always about, I said, there's going to be, because all of a sudden manufacturing is going to catch up. Yeah. Shipping's going to catch up, which is one of the bigger problems right now. Shipping is not catching up yet. Shipping is terrible right now. Um, There's so many things that that I've ordered that are just on the water. And I've been told like, dude, they're on the water. They've been on the water. They're just sitting at ports waiting to be taken in. Some of these ships are sitting at port for months, just sitting there waiting. So that backs up the next shipment and the next next shipment, shipment, you know? Um, But I I think you're right, man. I think we're going to have an influx of guitars from that year from like, literally it's going to be cause we sold almost out of guitars last year. I mean, we were shipping 15, 17 guitars a day out, but we weren't open to the public. So yeah. everything was shipped. And that was just in Asbury and Asbury's not the bigger store. You know, we have a warehouse which ships most of the stuff that sells online. It just sources when it isn't in the warehouse, it sources from yeah. the store, you know? So I don't know how many things they were shipping over there, but it was enough that the company, thank God, was able to stay afloat. Yeah. You know? Um, But I I think you're right, man. I think no guitars were available. Everybody bought guitars. And now manufacturing is going to catch up. And and everybody made huge orders because they couldn't get them and they wanted to get as many as possible. And then you're going to end up with this overabundance of stock. Not only is there going to be an overabundance of new stock, and like you said, now if... Let's say life gets back together. Let's just say 75% of the people who bought a guitar for the first time, which is unheard of. Let's just say 25% of that hundred percent decided that I'm going to keep this thing and I'm going to keep going with it, which would be legendary numbers. If that happened, 25%, there's still 75% of those guitars out there that they're are going, not being used. Going back out people going to, people going to sell them. People are going to put them under their bed. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of places they can go, but a lot of them are going to be resold Craigslist or marketplace or eBay or whatever, you know, and then now guitars are just, you know, yeah. Guitar, <laughs> guitar, amount of guitars has never really been the problem in America. Like we have plenty of guitars. Like yeah, yeah. that's, that's the, there's been plenty of debates about that in the industry. Like, how much is enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but again, I think the optimism is there. I think, I think people are, are geared up. I know there are some of the venues that have good financial backing that, you know, like that are obviously going to be there because they're part of a corporate entity. Like that's part of the whole Asbury thing. So like the things that are owned by a larger company that could absorb the hit, 
of the year, we'll be fine. Like, you know, um, you know, uh, House of Independence is going to be fine. Yeah. Stone Pony's going to be fine. You know, um, Wonder Bar. Wonder Bar. Like, all the, those places are going to be fine. You know, your, your smaller venues are going to, it's going to be a saint. Who knows? You know what I mean? I hope it's okay. I you haven't know? heard anything about them. In a while. No, it's been a little bit quiet. Brighton, obviously, we talked about that. That's yeah. that's a sad scene. When you know? did you? When was this whole dumpster thing being there? I heard that yesterday or two wow. days ago. Mm, that's a bummer, man. That place has been there a long time. Yeah, I did some research on that, man. We're talking like prohibition times. That oh, was a wow. place. Yeah, it wasn't always like the Brighton yeah, Bar, no, but, course, but but yeah, man, that building there. itself has been a thing forever. I mean, worst, but worst bathrooms ever. Oh, well, the only one that was worse was CBGB's, man. Woo, <laughs> man, that got scary. You know, you knew the difference in the ladies' room and the men's room at CBGB's. One of the doors that, well, let me rephrase this. One of the frames that didn't have a door in it had a dirty towel hanging about halfway through. That was the ladies' room. Gotcha. Yeah, that was the ladies' room. Great place, though. <laughs> if you want tetanus, great place. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I hope it comes back. Obviously, I think the I think it's going to take some time. Um, but I think the places that can do outdoor things are going to do them. Um, I think the uh, it's going to be interesting to see bands put back together. You know what I mean? Like full bands put back together. Like mm-hmm. everybody's man, everybody's had their training wheels off for a while. You know what I mean? So quality it's going to be sloppy, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's going to be sloppy because you couldn't even really rehearse. I mean, where are you going to rehearse? That's big enough that if you got a five-piece band, yep. you know, with singers the whole nine yards, man, that's that's a tough thing. Like we've with the Christmas band, we've had to do this thing in stages. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, here's the core band is going to be ready, and then, you know, hopefully the singers will fall in line. You know, I think they'll be fine. They're pros, you know, but I, I don't know how you would get a full unless you did it outside. I don't know how you would get seven people. Could you imagine having a band rehearse outside in your fucking neighborhood? I mean, I live in the woods, so it wouldn't make any difference to me. Let's yeah. say if I did it in my backyard. Oh, you uh, your neighbors would love it. Charge them admission. <laughs> Charge them admission. Burn their house. <laughs> um, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, do you think that the, I mean, what no. venues do you think are not going to come back? Are not? You want my honest opinion? Like, uh, not without saying specific names to keep you from getting in trouble. I mean, what? <laughs> not right. I mean, well, this what, is just going to get edited out. I know. I mean, what's, I mean, I think like the barroom gigs, which is like the cover band's mainstay, uh, you know, they'll be fine. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the original thing, and I would probably say 75 percent will be gone, closed, <laughs> and that's even the big one that you said. Well, like before, we said last time, orbit, they're yeah. not the bars are just using either like satellite radio or yeah. Pandora, and or even a DJ. Say, it's one dude. Go for the premium, yeah, the the premium subscription on Pandora. You're, you're, you're going a long time before you pay one band. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You know, so it's like, you know, I mean, let's face it. The original band places didn't pull out that many people in there to begin with. Yeah. So it's not, I, don't, I highly doubt they have a stockpile of money to absorb over a year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even that, that business was getting hurt before this. Yeah. So, I mean, this is might be the nail in the coffin. And, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. I've been saying I I'm think... Friends is- all right, I mean, we've been lovers for a long time. Well, so. I mean, I, I was thinking more of acquaintances, uh, okay, um, but that's okay. Um, so the, who's the big spoon? <laughs> we take turns. I mean, we flip a coin. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> the, the music scene, uh, the original music scene, I'm going to 
cover thing is totally different. The original music scene needs that master reset. There's too many hands and pots. There's too um, many shitty venues. Well, yeah, that too. But there's a lot of things that need to be changed in it because you can't expect the band to bring in 130 people when, you know what? There's not even 130 people that I know actually give a shit about music. Well, the other thing is this. If I can bring 130 people to your bar, why do I need your bar? You know what I mean? Like, if I can bring you 130 people, you know, I don't need your bar for, what, exposure? Like, okay, come to my backyard and bring your bar with you, and I'll pay you $2 per person that walks through, and for exposure, you can cater it. Yeah. You know, bullshit. That whole pay-to-play ticket thing is just disgusting to me I, I hate the whole thing and I've I've done it very little in my life and I have no desire to ever do it again like yeah. I think it's bullshit I think it's complete and utter manipulation and it's what ruined the scene to begin with oh, yeah? I, I, I really think that I, I played in a blues band on the road for years so there were certain venues that always had good music and they did it right they had good music some of them had food, and if they had food, the ones that worked and were great and legendary and there forever and still there, they had great food. They didn't just hire the band because a bunch of blues lawyers could bring their friends out. They hired good blues bands or good roots music bands, jazz bands, yeah. bands that were good. So then the reputation becomes when you come out, you want to go out that night, and let's say we're buddies and you come in from Indiana. And I'm like, hey, man, let's go see some great music tonight. We're going to go over to what used to be Jason's in Belmar. We're going to go over to Jason's tonight in Belmar. It's going to be great blues music. Who's playing? I don't know. I know it's going to be great. I know the liquor's flowing. Food's good. It's going to be a great band. It's a good tune. Right. That's how you do it. Yep. Yeah. Because now you've just built, you didn't build for one night. You built for ever. Basically, you built a reputation of, Who's playing? Doesn't matter. I know it's going to be good. See, what I hate more than even pay to play is the fact that you go to play a show nowadays and you'll be playing with five bands. And it happened to me. We were playing at, at the Saint. We were the headliner. It was packed all night long. We, we go up. We set up. Curtain comes up. Only like the 25 people we brought. Every single other person. Oh, yeah. There's like the people. I hate when people just show up, see the one band they want to see, and then leave. Like, what happened to going to a show? Right. You go, you get there, you have a couple drinks, you find some new music. Dude, some of the the best bands I found were openers. Like, I've gone to see another band and, like, Holy crap! I really love this opener. They're they're better than who I came well, here to see. Musicians are the only ones that do that anymore. Yeah, yeah that's a we're thing. We're the only ones that'll actually no. pay attention to the band that we're not there to see. And some of that is the venue booking terrible bands together. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, well, here's the thing, though. Wait a minute, because you said you know being a tour and blues musician, you, I'm assuming the bar that you were talking about because you had one in your head when you were talking about mm-hmm. the food and the band. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to say that wasn't in New Jersey. Okay, one of them was. Okay. It's gone now, but okay. it's not gone because the venue was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there used to be a club in Belmar named Jason's Blues Club. It was there forever. Mel, the guy who owned it, um, he had, I mean, the legends of blues would come in there. It had ebbs and flows. Was it a perfect place? No. Do I have some amazing stories of the shit that went on there? Yeah. Like yeah. that place was built for every like Blues Brother movie story you've ever seen. Like, you know. I mean, they're all dead now, so it doesn't matter. I can say it. Like, one of my favorite ones was, because I was a young, stupid kid, you know? Walk in the back, and I see the bartender filling absolute bottles 
for something else. And I'm like, <laughs> Mel, did you see that she's doing that? He goes, shut up, baby. It all comes from the same... Baby, it all comes from the same trough. Don't worry about it. After they've had the first one, they don't even taste the difference. <laughs> no, that's highly illegal. So we should probably cut that out. <laughs> uh, edit. <laughs> but he's dead. So it doesn't really matter. And the club is a parking lot now. That club was there forever. If you loved blues, and some people do, some people don't. Yeah. It was an interesting time to come up in, the, like, it was the, the, the late 90s because there was still a lot of those guys from the original time that were still alive or guys that were in that guy's yeah. band. Now, listen, B.B. King wasn't playing Jason's in Belmar, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, B Buddy Guy wasn't playing. But guys who came up with them were. Yeah. You know, like, the, the next tier guys were yeah. coming through there. And as a kid who was into that, man, like, oh, I played, you know, you go there on Saturday night. Oh, this guitar player, he's slamming. Who is he? Oh, he played guitar with uh, Clapton for like five years, like as a second guy. Or he played in uh, Muddy Waters' band for three years and then took off on his own. Or he's just him and he's awesome. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and you just knew going in there. Now, food wasn't a thing there. Like, you should have never eaten the food there. And if you did, I'm sorry. Or whether it was a local guy, whether you were seeing Billy Hector or Sonny Ken there, you went in there and you just knew every night I go here, it's going to be a great band. And it doesn't matter. It was like for me growing up in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Like I was a big metalhead. Okay, but I was at the Birch Hill oh. every weekend. Dude, what every a great weekend. place that every was! Every weekend I was there. Oh, I love there was, that place. Either Friday or time. Friday or Saturday, there was at least one good show. Yep, every weekend. Every and literally, Birch Hill was one of the places where I'd be like, "Where are we going tonight? Let's go to the Birch Hill. Who's playing? Who cares?" <laughs> when you could get in to see five or six bands right. for ten bucks. Ten bucks. You go into ten bucks, <laughs> and it's li the best. <laughs> What? It, okay, we'll talk about Birchill for a second. <laughs> How weird was that club? That it, again, these things only happen one time, and then they're gone. When they're gone, they're gone, yeah. and it's so sad that they're gone. But it's it's just a thing. It had like this like super dance club. As I said, the best nights were when Stingrays was having rays, and all the metalheads were inside Birchill, and, and everybody had jacuzzis out back. You'd have them mingling, and it was the weirdest thing ever. Or everybody who was going into Stingrays had to come through the uh, Scorpion show that was playing, or like you know what I mean? Like, well, not Scorpions, they're too big, but like the Ingve show that was happening. Yeah. All of the people had to come through, and what a terrible volatile mix of people. <laughs> it was just weird. Creeping Death's going to be here tonight and also uh, one of the Backstreet Boys will be performing in Stingrays. Oh, and oh my God. What a great fucking What place, a great man. place, man. And uh, the stage to play on was awesome. Yeah, it I sounded died, I died so good. They wrecked that place. Yeah, uh, that was a heartbreaker, man. That yeah, place was that? so it's good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's old potion condos, I think. It is, right? man. Just take every fucking music place well, and make it a condo. That's because that property was... Oh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Huge. And it was already pretty much set up to be a resort, so there was very little they had to do over there. It's like Trade Winds too. That was another great club. Oh, I remember that. Trade Winds was yeah. awesome, man. Like a nice high stage. The Trocadero. I loved. The uh, that one's gone too. Yeah, it closed. Oh wow! See, uh, that that like goes to my ago. point, man. It's like. And I mean, here's the thing, though. Over the years, clubs have come and gone. That's just the yeah. nature of the business. But usually they come and go in the same location. Like, that's yeah. the one thing I think a lot of people miss on the whole thing. Like, rock clubs come and go. Music clubs come and go. But usually at that same venue, 
another name pops up on the marquee yeah. and it's something else. That doesn't, I mean, when they go now, they no, go. Even Asbury, the lanes. Lanes, yeah. And fast lanes used to be right there. That's not, that's not that. Yeah, anymore. fast lanes is gone. That was the first show I snuck into was at the fast lanes and that's when Asbury was terrible. I saw Hawkwind. <laughs> wow. That was something. <sighs> yeah, that was something. Yeah, I'm sure. We, like we, just <laughs> we just triggered something right there. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I grew up very sheltered in a very sheltered situation. So when I started gaining my wings, you know what I mean, to yeah. go out, like my buddy goes, listen, the dude, Lemmy used to be in Hawkwind yeah. from Motorhead. I'm like, well, Lemmy's fucking awesome. Like, yeah, if he was in that band, I want to be, I want to see this shit. Let's go. With some friends of mine, I was underage, but they didn't. At that point, Nasberry, nobody cares. If you paid the cover, you yeah. got in. That's yeah. just. Um, did you have the three dollars yeah. to get in? Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. I had the three dollars, um, and that meant you were getting served, also. Yeah. <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember I'm going there, and, and Hawkwind was nothing like Motorhead, for the record. No. no. Okay. Some people, most people know this, like people that know who Hawkwind is and know who Motorhead is. I didn't. I didn't know who Hawkwind was. I just thought, well, this is going to be Motorhead light. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Nope. 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 No. Um, the band goes on and they're playing and they're not good. Some people think they're good. They weren't good. Um, <laughs> and then the singer comes out and he looked to be 104. <laughs> <sighs> With nothing but Dayglow paint and a jock strap on <laughs> that had Dayglow paint on it also, doing a very a very interesting dance that I've seen happen on the streets of Asbury quite a bit okay. uh, late 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 at night. Um, yeah, he was uh, that was something. That show was terrible, but <laughs> Fastlanes was cool though. That that was a cool venue. That's gone. Like you said, that's gone. That's never coming back. That's I mean, it's gone. I mean. But yeah, and then they put like little venues and hotels to like take their place. And, you know, they do some cool things and stuff for artists and, and they try. But, you know, once you kill that old club, man, there's yeah. something that dies with that. And even, even the lanes now, it's different. I mean, the lanes was falling apart. Let's call it what it was. I yeah. mean, it was cool, but it really needed some work. You know, I mean, is the new lanes cool too? It's a different cool. It's, it's, yeah. it's a gentrified cool. You know what I mean? They kept the back wall. Yeah, the, the bigger thing with the lanes was it was just the legacy of it, you know? Yeah, I felt like somebody should have picked that up. Like, there were so many little bars still there that could have picked that whole vibe, that whole crowd. Because you'd see people at the lanes that you wouldn't see anywhere else, man. You, I mean, and even bands oh. now that come through, because we get a lot of the guys when they're coming through, they'll stop in that. Like, if they need a music store, we're the music store in Asbury. Yeah. And, like, you know, they'll come through all your, like your punkier bands that are doing something else or even like the rockabilly guys, like they were like, Oh man, is that club that lanes still there? We haven't like, it's like, no, it's like Horton heat came in one day to do a video thing with us. Reverend Horton heat's amazing. Yeah. And they would play the lanes all the time, like oh, all, the time. all the time. Yeah. And he came in and they were, and obviously they're a big enough band. They're going to find another venue. That's not a big deal for them. But I remember I was talking to him about it and he's like, man, that, club the lanes there was something about that place well, yeah. said, there's a lot of people that lived at the lanes and they will not step foot in that new place yeah yeah they're they're yeah well that's true i haven't i mean you know and i'm not like that guy yeah. but um yeah i hear it sounds great burgers are cool you know but uh 
<laughs> Sounds great. Burgers are cool. I've heard this. I think uh, who played there? Uh, you know who played there? Um, what's his name? Uh, Dora played there. So. Uh. Our buddy uh, played uh, there. Nick, was up there, Nick right? played there. Yeah, <laughs> I had a gig that night and I couldn't go. But yeah, Nick played there with Dora Pesh. Which... I would love to have him on the podcast, but he would just be way too nice. Uh, you might get a story or two out of oh, him. I'll probably get a story, but he'd be too nice. Yeah, he's a nice dude. Like every time me and him are on the phone, he's like, "All right, man, that, that that's great, dude." Like he found his inner peace. Out. And there's nothing wrong because he's a great guy. Yeah, he but found to his have inner peace. Something this ruckus. I don't know if you're gonna get what you want out of him, bud. But he found his inner peace. But he oh, has some great stories, though, yeah. man. He's great stories. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this was. Yeah, this was good. But yeah, like you said, I hope the venues come back. I mean, you know. But like you said, they're getting fewer and farther between. Hopefully, with this amount of guitar players out there, you know, maybe we'll see more guitar music. Out yeah, there. my my only fear is the only places that are going to be left are the ones that you got to pay to play or. You know, you get the Starlands where they call you up on like two weeks notice. And oh, like, yeah. Can you sell 200 tickets at $65 a ticket? We'll give you $3.20 back per ticket. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. We had, I was playing in a band. And we were selling tickets at the time. And we were playing at one of the clubs we spoke of because I don't want to give too much information because I don't want to okay. make a problem. But we sold the deal. They told us straight out of the box. Whoever sells the most tickets gets to be on right before... The headliner. The headliner was a big deal in the music genre that I was playing at the time. Uh, it was all over the radio. It was going to be a sellout. Yeah. There was no doubt. We sold the tickets. We even ate some of them just to sell the yeah. tickets. I remember walking up to said promoter, handing said promoter $2,000 for him to then hand me back $200. And I was like, huh. I go, hey, man. He goes, great job. Great. You guys killed it. Da, da, da. Great job. I go, cool. I go, I, I don't want to sound like a dick here, but is there any way that out of the $2,000 that I just handed you in cash that we could maybe get $300 so each guy in the band would make $100 for doing all this work? To his credit, he said yes. He gave me the $300. And he goes, you got a second? And I go, yeah. He goes, so, uh, how old are you? And I told him. I was in my 20s. He goes, that's about the age that I realized I was on the wrong side of the table. He goes, you, my friend, are on the wrong side of the table. What just happened here? He goes, I, I'm a musician. He goes, I used to play all the time with all the Jersey Shore bands, the big guys at the time, the Springsteens, the South Sides. He goes, I played with all them. He goes, but I'm just letting you know now, you want to be on this side of the table if you want money. If you want the art, be on your side of the table. And uh, never forgot that. Never really listened to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be we, fair. we all did it. Because I know exactly who you're talking you know, about. Because yeah. I've heard that story from this, other people. To be fair, he was very open. Because I've said this to other musicians. And they all told me the same thing. Was, yeah, I had the same conversation with yeah. him. He was like, yeah, it sucks to be you, man. But I've been you. You don't want to be you. Mm, yeah. And you know, while you're doing all the work, you don't think anything about it. It's when you actually hand that pile of money. Yep. And then the best for me is when I handed said pile of money, not at this time, at another time, I handed the said pile of money to the guy and he goes, but where are the tickets you didn't sell? I'm going to have to charge you for those if you can't come up with them. That's the worst. <laughs> 
course it was the drummer who didn't have his tickets. It's always the drummer. And now I played in a rockabilly band for a bunch of years. It just recently decided to call it quits. Not a lot of rockabilly in New Jersey. But it was amazing. Every time a rockabilly type artist, psychobilly, rockabilly, you know, classic country that gets a little bit loud, would come through and they weren't selling tickets. There's only two bands that do something in that genre. There may be more, but there's really only two or three that have some original music too that do that kind of thing on the shore. We were one of them. Not that it's a big genre. I think we were number one on Spotify for rockabilly bands in New Jersey, which meant we had four unique listeners. Um, (laughs) That's not kidding. Um, So we would get a call from the club, same thing. Like, hey man, uh, we got a show tomorrow. Can you bring some people out? It's like, at first you're like, yeah, man, I'll get some people out. And you call your friends and, you know, you get 20, 30 people to show up. You know what I mean? I got work. It's Tuesday. And you know, <laughs> so we got 30 people to show up with 24 hours notice. And you know how many people were there that night? 30 people were at that club that night to see the headliner. Wow. They were fantastic. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And that's what I try to hammer home to everybody. Be like, man, I know I sound like I'm the fucking Debbie Downer. I'm being realistic. Like, people do not care. I've seen it go from... I think some of it is too... To be fair, I think some of it is... People really care in their 20s about going out. Like, dude, when you're 20, <laughs> you're out every night. Like, oh, yeah. when you're up to, for the most part, up until 30, give or take a couple years, you're out at least three to four nights a week And when things are normal and COVID's not a thing. And if you're into music, which less people are, yeah. into guitar music anyway, less people are, True. Um, you know, you're out. But it's amazing when you're in a band and you, and you made it through that 30-year range and now you're in your 30s. Well, your group of friends and your group of fans that you built from like high school, you know what I mean, in, well, now they're getting married. They're having kids. They're not going out. So for them, going out is a big deal. And most of the time, it's not going to be at an 11 o'clock start time. That's going to be the interesting thing with this that's going to change, too. (laughs) The start time's definitely going to Because start times have gone way back because they're not allowed. They weren't allowed. I don't know what the new rule is, but they weren't allowed to be open after 11 o'clock, right? Yeah. Most places, yeah. So, some closed early just so they right. When's the like, dude? I I, I have I, my wife said to me like we were halfway through pandemic. It was like summertime. It was Friday night, and we're sitting there, and I am struggling to stay awake at nine thirty at night like some ninety year old dude. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I why am I? Fu- I'm going to bed. <laughs> it was like it was like ten it was like ten fifteen. I'm going to bed, and she goes, Hey, it's ten fifteen. You'd be just starting set one right now. How's that feel, cowboy? And I'm like, you couldn't pay me enough money right now to load my base gear, my upright, my electric, all this garbage into my stupid little car to bring it into your stupid little bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> your stupid little bit. And it's not so much the load in. It's going to be the load out. I, I don't know if I can stay awake till three o'clock in the morning right now. On do every other Tuesday night at Jack of Bill's. We'd, oh. be- we'd alternate with beggars all summer long. And I, I'd leave there at like 3.30 in the morning and mm-hmm. I worked right here on Hooper Avenue and I would literally just one eye open, drive to the parking lot at work, 
lean back to seat, set uh-huh. the alarm on my phone, sleep for like two hours, and then get up and somehow work. And sh- I would never be able to do that again. Dude, I'm with you 110%. You used to do the same thing. Same place, same thing. Uh, and I, I mean... There's another... Ru- not even a rock club, but it was a fucking bar that was made into a rock <sighs> club that will never come back. You know... Well, it came back, but it's not. No, it's here's not the, the thing too, and and that's the, that's a whole other question for another time. Is does the venue make the band, or does the band make the venue? Because there's a good, there's been several times where certain bands make a venue. Like if they're willing to let you do your thing, like Jackabells was willing to let beggars do their thing. Yeah. Well, at that time, there was a bunch of party people that liked to go see that band. So you're gonna make a club on a Tuesday night. I've been in bands where. We played Thursday night. We played at this. It was. It's not that anymore. But it was. It was a marina bar. It's still there. It's something else now. But it was a marina bar that was doing like jazz. And I had like a, a, a like jazz. a because it was for all the marina people. And um, but I had like our band was like a pretty loud blues like roadhouse band. Yeah. Well, we went in there because their band canceled and the booking agent called us because hey man can you come in here and please be quiet and I'm like yeah 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 we'll do our thing. Well, they liked us because we did our thing, and then we slowly started doing our thing, not their thing. But our people, because they were at that age where they wanted to hang out, it was a good location for them. They liked coming there, so all of a sudden that Thursday night became this thing at that club. And then they were like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to move you guys to Wednesday. Well, Wednesday's not as... That's not as much of a so, drinking night, is that's, it? That's, that's, that's like one of the worst nights. It's like, oh, give me Monday. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was the idea. You guys come in. We want you to play on Monday nights. We want you to play during. We want you to play a half an hour before the game, on every commercial break, halftime, half-time. and then play in between third. How'd you First know of, when a fucking commercial oh, can't go like, dude, oh, two minutes commercials over, and not for nothing. I'll tell you quietly who the people were in the band. So. You can imagine what the grief was doing that as well. Like, like getting people, no, 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 you have to stop now. Like, I'm sitting here with a stopwatch, like, trying to figure it out. But, I mean, you can't, like, that's never going to work. Yeah. That's never going to work. And I, and, and I get on their point, well, we just want to have bands too. You should be happy that we're having bands. It's like, I get that, but... It's not going to work, man. Like, give it to For them, it's just, well, you just turn it on and you turn it off. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. It's like, get a DJ if you want a music to play yeah. in between. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, mean, I took his money, but it didn't work. <laughs> I it, took his money. I, did you, they were paid well, but it, it was didn't better work. when they left the sports in the front and left the bands in the back. Yeah, it was way better. Yeah. yeah. That worked out so much better. That was a place, too. I used to play there all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a place. Yeah. Definitely was. It was a venue. Definitely a place. That was a place in a strip mall. Yeah. How many strip mall clubs I've played across this stupid country? Yeah. <laughs> what, was what was that one we played with uh, with Leo? Oh, fuck. Yeah, uh, it was it's some weird name. Uh, starts with an S. Yeah. Sprangles. 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 That's Sprangles. it. What is this? It is the smallest fucking bar I've ever been in in my life. Like, you walk in and it's like, this room... Like too long, yeah. And ninety percent of it is the bar. There's just like a three foot path around the bar, and then from like the edge of your table to the wall was where the band got to set up. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was awesome. 
I but mean, it was, a, it was a good show. There was a lot of people there. They yeah. were into it. It was like the, the halfway to St. Patty's Day thing. Ah, uh, that's always a good time. So, I mean, it was fun, but it was just so tiny. What was the name of this place? Sprangles. Sprangles? Oh, Sprinkles. Sprangles. Sounds like an ice cream. It's right, right up by Jersey Shore. Oh. Is it still there? Three, at, it, as far as I know. Holy shit, I drive that road every day. I've never seen that place. It's in a strip mall. You've never even... Oh, well, there you have it. Is there a Wawa in there? I like a good Wawa. Ah, so that's always good at the end. Yeah. (laughs) That's good at the end. I'm trying to think of all the strip club bars I played. There was Nick's Jersey Pub that was on the... That's what started the the white pants thing. (laughs) That was the white pants thing. Our singer showed up in his bright white pants, and I'm like... Never do that. Again. Don't do that. And he shows up in bright red pants. And stuff. That was awesome. <laughs> not what? Typical like, singer. I got you know you can't even fucking get mad at him. Uh, <laughs> follow your rules, bro. Oh. Not white. He's not wrong. Yeah, he got you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah I remember that place. Did you you covered for us one night there, didn't you? Mm-hmm. At that Nick's. Yeah. 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 We that was a place too. Like, yeah. I mean, Nick's dead too, from what I understand. We started playing there in a band. Like they wanted a band every Thursday, and they were paying. They just he wanted a band, so we started doing it. We put together something. There was a bunch of guys that were in other bands. It was like, hey, dude, everyone want to make some money on a Thursday? We'll just play some covers, have some fun. We ran that thing for four years. Wow! And it was every Thursday. I remember calling him one night because the, then it started rotating out people. Like people just they they didn't want to do. It. They would leave. Like I had to bring it, but I'm like, dude, I don't take this money every week, you know? Yeah. Well, the best thing about that place was so we knew the bartender. This band could drink. Like, it was a problem. <laughs> um, so we never paid a bar tab, though. We just kind of thought that was part of the deal. And the well, guy... We the beers were on the house. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. So for some reason, because of the guy who originally booked the gig left his own band, which was funny, and then it went down and down and down to where I became the guy who was handling the business side of it. Because the three other people ahead of me had left the band, so now it was my band, I guess now, or at least the business side of it was my problem. And um, so, the end of the night, it was just the normal. Oh, I get to pay. Da, da, da. Well, the regular bartender was not there. So the end of the night, the girl who was running the bar, she goes, "Okay, well here's your money." And I'm like, "Cool." She goes, "Oh, and um, you guys have a tab." I'm like, "Ah, oh, we we normally we normally don't have one." And then I'm thinking, eh, maybe we. Too, though and I just don't want to get the bartender in trouble you know how that goes and it's like I'm like oh really oh that's unusual I'm like okay well what is it $480 well we got $350 I'm gonna have to go to the car and write a traveler's on the, on the dashboard it's just his thing it's what he likes to do so I was like oh that's a lot and she's like let, let me let, that is a lot. Let me let me see what I can do. I'll be right back. So she goes to the manager, and I'm like, oh, shit. Now this could be a problem, like, because if he thinks every week that we're taking home an extra $400 yeah. in booze. <laughs> so it ended up being almost a wash for the night, and uh, I go out to the guys. I go, good news and bad news. <laughs> Enjoy your buzz. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what your pay was. Because that tonight was the pay. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a whole thing. But, yeah, those strip mall bars. But, again... If there's a venue, and the band's cool and it has a following, it can build a cool thing at there's that venue. Hole in the wall bars are the best. Yeah, but then again, it brings us back around to the other thing: is like if the venue just had cool things every night and didn't just, I'm going to book the band because I know that they're going to sell the tickets, even though they suck. It's a well, vicious cycle. Well, the, you don't the know. people who like the who bought the tickets to see the band out of obligation. 
Yeah. And that's what it is. It's out of money. Yeah. Money. But it's out, <laughs> but, but like, listen, like, so, okay, so let's say the, this is what happened in the blues world. The blues lawyers took over, like, because, but what happens is, is the regular Joes that want to go see music would then go, oh, I'm going to go over here on Friday night and go see this because they've always got great music. And then you walk in one time, and you're like, oh. What happened? Well, that's not great. <laughs> you know, everybody has the ability, not, every, not everybody has the ability, but. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> everybody should have the opportunity to do whatever they want. But to get to a certain room, you have to obtain a certain level of proficiency. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. When you take that requirement away from the room, it's no longer art. Don't try to sell it as art. It's about money. And that's the problem with a lot of venues. And I get why they do it. Because if you got to pay the... Oh, they're just yeah. treading water. Yeah, if you got to pay the liquor vendor, you got to pay the liquor vendor. And sometimes you don't have deep deep enough pockets to eat a few nights. But yeah. what happens in the long run? What happens in the long run is, is you're begging some other band to come in and bring 30 people at $12 a ticket, which is not going to pay the electric bill or the band that you paid to come in from another state, the road band, the road band has a requirement. Like I was in a road band. We had a minimum. You, we had this, we get this. And if we don't, we will, we'll get it. Like it, it, if it comes out of your bar, it comes out of your bar, whatever. It's a vicious cycle. And I don't know. I I would never want to be a club owner. Couldn't pay me to be a club owner. Nah. Nope. You could pay me to be a club owner. But I wouldn't use my money. I'd like to run a club but not have the responsibility of owning it. See, I wonder if I ran a club, would I run it the right way or would I get desperate for money? Whose money is it? That's the thing. So I said, yeah. I want to run the club, but I don't want to be the one that owns it. Right. <laughs> but you know, and that's and you're right. So let's say you get the keys to the to the car. How long before you look at it and go, Yeah, I really like this band, this band, and this band, but we don't we're not even covering our bar bill for yeah. tonight. Like so then what? So who's at fault? I mean, how many musicians have tried to open clubs? Oh, God. And they've all failed. They all fall flat in their face. They've all failed. I mean... No offense. Thanks for trying, guys. Because you tried to make it awesome, but... It's just... But, you know, the other thing that's happening, too, is the VFW halls are coming back. That is very true. They are coming back strong. Well, that's because everybody sees that all these other places are freaking robbing them blind. Yep. And they're like, we'll go pay 200 bucks to these guys, rent out the hall... They make their money on the alcohol. Yeah. There you go. And and in general, the guys that are going there, they dig like rock and roll. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but, and as I was talking to Gary about it, like his, and he plays, like, it's a classic rock band. He goes, dude, I have, first of all, he goes, we're out of there at midnight. He goes, which is fantastic. He goes, the pay is great. He goes, the people there love the band. He goes, and it's a, most of them are pretty good sized places too. You know what I mean? And he goes, why, why not? Those dudes are drinkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They can drink. When I played Bamber once, we did a... It was a biker event. They're always an adventure. And the good ones, anyway. And they drank that place dry. I don't doubt it. Wow. To where I went in there to get a drink on the set break. And I go in there, and the bartender looks like he has just been to war. The poor guy. And he looks at me, and I go, hey, man, can I get a beer? He goes, no, you can't. <laughs> he goes, I have... I have peach schnapps left. That's all I have. <laughs> goes, I'll take one of those. Then. He goes, someone just ran to the liquor store. I'm like, all right, settle down, man. It'll be okay. But, um, but yeah, man, that seems to be a thing that's coming back. So, But, you know, I'm finding the people that want to listen to live music tend to be a little bit older right now. 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's a younger person scene. Because like I remember going to VFW shows, and you know, nineteen twenty years old. You mm-hmm. know, I remember it was it like ninety six, ninety seven. Going to see, a, I saw Hatebreed and E Town Concrete and like Newark at a VFW hall, and there's like ten people there. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and another thing, I mean, this has been around forever. Is guys could rent out the VFW and do their own shows, promote yeah. their own shows, which is kind of cool. But I mean, the VFW itself is booking like bands like on regular Friday and Saturday nights yeah, for just their members. Right you know, and that's kind of a cool thing. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of self-promotion, self-production, you know, well, kind of deals. You guys do their guitar show. They always have bands there. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that place down there in uh, Bayville. 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 Yeah. Though I know the one in Jackson has bands all the time. Gary plays there. One in Brick has bands too. Uh, that's not VFW. I don't know what that is. American Legion. Yeah. Um, but and you know Gary those play. those places are they're they're packed too because you know we've been at war for 30 years in iraq so there's tons of dudes that have come back that want to go hang out at a bar with a bunch of dudes that have also been there so they can talk about like dollar beers dude 25 cent miller lights are my favorite thing in the world (laughs) yeah man i could drink a thousand 25 cent miller lights i mean get to the bar i would like to see you try Let's do that next time. I literally, it's like, here's 10 bucks. I don't want to talk to you for the rest of the night. Just yeah. keep them coming. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, but again, who knows? Who knows? We'll, we we'll shall see. see. We shall see. I hope it does again, though. <laughs> I'd love for the Roaring Twenties to come back. I could pull out all those cool shoes I never wear. That's cool. I wouldn't mind wearing a suit all the time. I would. I went to private school. You know, I wear a suit all the time. Yeah, that was the whole thing I learned about you. I didn't even know about that. Trust me, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Actually, that's therapy. (laughs) Well, Well, this this, this is kind of like therapy. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, So... Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was great, man. I, I really appreciate you coming down. Thank yeah, you, brother. I know we've been friends for yeah. quite some time now. Yep. We, we can go on. We'll have to have you back again sometime. Oh, dude, we can tell stories all night long. Anything you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. I got plenty of stories about <laughs> we'll this bring, guy. We'll bring, <laughs> okay, we'll bring you back just for a whole episode of Talking Shit on Jeff. Oh, uh, yeah, dude, I'm in for that. <laughs> we got oh, I can, I can get it. We can do a Jeff roast. I, I, I'm sure I can get that aligned. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? If it brought us ratings, I'm all for it. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. That'll guys. bring our fun. listeners from nine to ten. <laughs> We're at ten. It'll be eleven. Eleven. It goes to eleven. <laughs> well, if we brought in three or four more people that don't listen, they will definitely subscribe to listen to themselves. See, so you then you'll pick up subscribers that so way. Right now, we're at uh, two, three, four, five, six. I got my wife. You got your wife. That's seven, eight. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, like it's grow. you could, and this is just sell it like this way. We have doubled our listenership in only 30 days. True story. It's all on selling. It's all on how you, all on how you word it. Sell the hope. Sell the hope. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun though. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> Matt here, give everybody the email. Are we talking about the asshole guy again? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Yes, our sponsor, Stuck Up Sticker Company. Our sponsor, StuckUpStickerCompany.com. You can uh, go there, 10% off your first offer, and or you can email us, us, and Jeff will return the email personally <laughs> at jsmpinfo at gmail.com. It's up in the corner of the screen. Holiness. I will also <laughs> there will be there will be a link in the bio to Jeff's personal phone number yes <laughs> you could text him chat you know his OnlyFans will also be up there so. <laughs> we're gonna talk about bands that you shouldn't be in <laughs> <laughs> while I wear something nice 
Well, thanks again, bud. This, this was this <laughs> fucking. It was, it was a blast. It was a blast, yeah. man. It really was. Sure. Uh, I mean, we're going on two and a half hours. Oh, it's a two parter. Yeah, <laughs> two parter. There we go. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Don't forget, don't forget to tune in next Monday for the next episode of the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast. Mm-hmm.